Hey, welcome to the Purpose Podcast. We're so grateful that you would take some time uh, and spend it with us. Uh, my name is Zach. This is my amazing wife, Rachel. Hello. And so, uh, hey, this is a really special week. And we're going through right now our vision and values as uh, men and women of God, as husband and wife, as uh, mom and a dad, and as leaders of the church. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, so we've talked about loving God, loving people, discovering purpose. And now we're actually going to take a minute and pause the values. Um, and if you're a member of Faith Promise Church where we uh, lead and work, this last weekend there was an, an announcement made uh, that's a pretty big deal. And so my mom and dad have led Faith Promise for 26 years now, uh, done an amazing job, went from 200 people in a hotel um, whatever you call it, like ballroom, ballroom. Mm -hmm. yeah, in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, to now uh, averaging, you know, over sixty-five or yeah, sixty-five hundred people. Uh, just an amazing work of Insights God. Insights all across East Tennessee. Yeah, God, God's done an amazing work. It's super exciting. Uh, but looking to the future of Faith Promise and what God's calling us to next. Uh, now, uh, and we again, we talked about this weekend, but we will be stepping in uh, at, as the senior pastor at Faith Promise Church, which is really exciting. So this next year, I'll co-pastor with dad, and then uh, and then we'll step into leading that uh, full time. So we want to take a moment and have a, have a podcast about that. Uh, again, maybe you're not a part of Faith Promise, and maybe just like us, you think Rachel's pretty, whatever the reason, um, you know, So, and you're hanging out with us. But that'd be specifically about that. Um, yeah, we just want to share a little bit about our journey into ministry, how God led us to where we are today. And hopefully, even if you're not a part of Faith Promise, we pray that our testimony inspires and encourages you to walk in the purpose that God has for you in your life. Yeah, and so again, and going back, even if you're not a part of Faith Promise, a few podcasts ago, Rachel says one, said one of the things that really inspired her to love God was the testimonies of people who came before. Yeah, and so we're going to share our testimony with you, and then you know tell you about the how we've really felt led by the Lord of where God's calling Faith Promise. Uh, but baby, you want to start out, or you want me to start out talking about call to ministry. Uh, and and how how you got to this point? You want mine first? Why don't you go first? I'll go first. Okay. Why don't you tell us about when you knew? Hey, you had a vocational call to ministry because we all have a call to serve God right. and to bring the kingdom of heaven to a earth. Purpose, a if purpose, if you will. But a call um, to vocational ministry is a little different. So sure. You, can you articulate the difference for us? Yeah. So again, like Rachel said, everybody is a craftsmanship made like on purpose with a purpose, but the delineation I would say for people who are called to vocational ministry, it says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, uh, that the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, shepherds, they were, they were uh, set apart called uh, to equip saints for ministry. So to equip people for ministry. And so, and that that's the people who wrote a lot of the New Testament, Paul, you know, uh, Peter, John, Luke, Mark, these people were vocational ministers, what they did. Now, some of them were bivocational. Paul was a tent maker as well as an apostle or a leader in the church. But, so when did you experience right. the difference in your life? Yeah, so uh, so whenever I was, uh, I, I, I've grown up at Faith Promise Church. Uh, I, I love this place. But I was in student ministry, and I was going into 10th grade, and I, uh, I got eight 
of my friends to go. We used to do a beach camp. So I got eight of my friends to go, and I thought they were all lost. I played football or was friends with all of them. And back then, beach camp cost like $275. So I had to go to like all their parents, like all their moms and dads, and try to like convince them to spend $275 to send their, their student to a beach camp again. These aren't Christian families by and large, so that didn't seem like a wise investment, you know, uh, to send them to church camp for $275. And so, but either way, all eight of them came. It comes to the salvation night of it comes to the salvation night of the camp you know if you've ever been to a camp or whatever you know there's a night where it's set aside for people to give their life to christ and uh, we're in the back row again most of these guys are heathens and uh, we're in the back row and they do the gospel and they have this altar call for people to come forward if they want to give their life to christ and nobody moves and i just remember i remember which were the which of the guys i was sitting by nobody moved and I was, I was like so bummed. I was just distraught about it. Like, God, I worked so hard. Why would you not move in this moment? And uh, and I remember God, like this this impression on me for me to go up front. And I was like, Lord, I, I know you. Like, I don't need to be saved. You missed it. Like, you're one seat over. At least one of these guys gets saved. But I just kept feeling this draw to go up front. So I went up front. I got on my knees. And I'm like, and I'm a little annoyed. And I just remember, like, there's this worship song going. There are there are people up front getting saved. And I just remember this moment, uh, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it was God just saying, hey, you're set aside for me. Like, your life belongs to me, to my kingdom, to the church. And and I just I just knew, like, in that moment, like, I got very emotional. I, I just knew, like, this is what I was called to do. And, uh, and it, it's pretty special, something that God did. Like, so that's the moment I knew. We go back to the room. And, uh, you know, got back all nine of us, my eight friends and me are all in a room together. And our small group leader goes to the leader meeting that night to kind of get the marching orders for the next day. And so I just remember looking at one of them, and his name was Brandon Fugate, and uh, just asking him, hey, man, what's going to happen when you die? Like, what, like, like are, are you going to spend eternity in heaven or hell? And, and I just remember right then, it was like, it was like, I, it was almost like I went to sleep. The Holy Spirit totally took over. I don't know what I said to each guy. I just remember coming to knowing that I, I was I was crying, which if you listen to the last podcast, I do that he's when talking it about the gospel, comes so. to the Lord. Um, but I just knew that seven of eight of them gave their lives to Christ, except for a guy named Michael Graham, who still goes to the North Campus, who was already saved. And um, I just remember that. like, And God, it, it was almost like God just saying, hey, um, it's something that I've always gone back to and I've doubted my call to ministry that, hey, I called you and then I used you even before like you knew how to be used. Uh, and the next day, another, I mean, wild thing happened. You know, one of the guys that gave a lot to Christ that night, Wesley Taylor, he's hype, like a real party guy. And he got these, he got 15 people to sit down in a gazebo and he's like, Zach, you got to tell them what you told us last night. People coming in from free time. And I'm so annoyed because I like, Wesley, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know what I said. And uh, he sits these people down anyway. And um, I just, I, it, same thing happened. I remember making a joke about Wesley being a goob, and bam, same thing happened. I, I, I don't know what was said, but our, our student pastor is tugging on my, uh, my shorts, and he said, hey, tell these people if they want to receive what you're talking about to go to the pool, there's counselors there. And I turn around, and I don't know, our whole student ministry and some people off the street had gathered behind me 
as I was talking to that gazebo, they had gathered behind me. It's super, I mean, it's just a, I mean, you think about it, it's a pretty weird thing to happen. And uh, I remember looking out the pool. There's one kid I can just remember his face when I think about this, but there's uh, there's leaders all around the pool at at uh, the beach cha- or the chair, the pool chairs. And there's lines of one, two, like three, four, five kids at each leader giving their life to Christ. And it was just another moment where God had called me to ministry, but then he said, hey, you know, I, I need you to believe beyond what you understand. And so just for me, that's been a real, and there's been a couple of things like that, but just to answer your specific question of, hey, when did you feel called to ministry? It was in that moment, and then God really galvanized and and get, get, gave me something to hold on to in my moments of doubt and fear of, am I really the person to do this? Am I really yeah. called to ministry? And so, um, but yeah, as, as, it is a, it's a special moment for me, but that's the time when I was, that is when I was called to ministry. So, uh, but I know, um, even though I'll be, I preach on the weekend a lot and all that kind of stuff, uh, you're just as called to ministry and to leading as I am. Well, I love that you use the language set apart because, um, you know, I never, I made a lot of different choices than you did. You kind of, you talked about before the Lord just set me apart at a young age and I'm so grateful. God has been so gracious and, um, I just obeyed and followed his leading and, um, I remember I was, it was my first year of college. So I was already, I had interned in the worship ministry and I just never fit anywhere but the church. Um, I had um, wisdom and not a lot of tact or love. And so um, that made it difficult for me sometimes to connect with people my age. And I, but I always fit at the church. There was always a place for me in the father's house to serve and use my gifts and add value. So I had interned there. And I remember my first year of college, I had read a book Um, And it was called Authentic Beauty by Leslie Ludy. And it was the last um, thing that I had held on for myself. The Lord called me when I was 14 not to date anybody until I met my husband, which at that time was fine because nobody wanted to date me. But as I got into college, I was so discouraged. And I felt like the Lord owed me because I had been set apart. I had... I had been teased and um, was so lonely for what felt like a lifetime already. And the Lord just asked me like, hey, are you willing, if you never got married, would I be enough for you? And I just said, no, Uh, that is, that's just not it. It's not going to work for me. And I wrestled with the Lord for six weeks. He just removed his active presence from my life. And he just said, okay, if that's how you feel. And I just remember being like, I got to this point, it was the, I turned to um, 20. And I got on my knees, it was on my birthday, and I still have the journal where I wrote this. And I just said, God, if, I, if that's what you want, if, you, if I never get married and I, all the dreams that I want, I cannot live another day without, without your presence. I can't do it. And that was when I knew I had been set apart for something different, set apart for a call. That's where I got that language was in that season of my life. But as a female in ministry, you know, especially 20 years ago, looking at, hey, where where can I fit as a girl? And really, I just tried really hard to fit into molds um, of ministry that were, okay, well, you could be a women's pastor, or you could be a worship pastor. And I never really fit quite right in any of those spots. And I know I'm set apart for something special. And this was probably, this was 
seven years ago, six years ago is before River was born. And um, you and I had talked and I was talking about how frustrated I was because I didn't feel like I had, like you were able to say, okay, I know what I'm called to do. And I would say, well, I know I'm, I'm set apart for something. <laughs> I just don't know what. And I, um, it was Bobby Houston's testimony about how um, she had been set apart to be a mother to the house. And um, God so stirred in me in that moment, like I've called you to create spaces where people grow where they're nurtured and they're loved into the abundant life. And so really since that, I, I mean, my call I was given when I was in um, you know, my first year of college, but it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s where I had a vision for that. And in the last several years, God just continues to shape and mold and give me security in you know, that I've been set apart to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and really to partner with you to do that. When people always ask me, say, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? People are looking for an assignment and a title. And I can't muster anything up except I believe that I'm called to partner with Zach in equipping Christ's followers to win their world. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that's, again, that's just a tiny, that's one instance in both of our lives. So, yeah, and I think I people may want to know why... Um, you know, why now? Why is this happening now? Why is this tra this transition? And I know we've talked about it some yeah. on the weekend, but for our <laughs> listeners who maybe missed the weekend or. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that. Yeah. Dad shared this, but in 2017, uh, they we just hit this kind of plateau at about 7,600 people or something like that. And we just couldn't break it, couldn't break through that, you know. And then one of our pastors, Josh Whitehead, he was at this, at a leadership network event. They, they do a lot of studies and they were asking about how Faith Promise was. And he said, well, we've hit this plateau. And the guy the guy says, well, you know, how old is Pastor Chris? And he said, well, he's 58. And so he's too old, uh, which is crazy, which we all we all thought, this is crazy. There's no way. He's so energetic. He, yeah, he really got, looks he's got, young. He's got great hair. He's a great <laughs> preacher, like all this stuff. And uh, he just, he just, he's, he's amazing. You know, he's, he's, our, he's one of our heroes. We, and so it just seemed crazy. <clears throat> but Josh came home and told dad that. And dad committed 20 years ago that he wasn't going to stay too long. There's guys and girls all over who don't transition or who don't like have a successor and they kill their ministry because they, they don't want to move. They don't want to move mm -hmm. over. And dad committed that 20 years ago that he wasn't going to do that. And so dad, he, when he says, but dad didn't know that was at 58. And so again, this is back 2017 or 18 at that point. And, and he starts looking, thinking, you know, there's no way this is right. And dad just studied and studied. And he was right. At churches our size, uh, and especially where God has called us to go, uh, pastors sixty and over just they don't they don't lead it. And, mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of the kind of the rules of communication, like consistent communication, like preaching every weekend, is you reach. 10 to 15 years above you and 10 to 15 years below you. And so again, and dad, dad has always been so passionate that we want to reach young families. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to reach everybody who God allow us to, but the most, the most, uh, the, the time that people are most likely to give their life to Christ is between, you know, like, you know, uh, before 18 and then whenever they have kids. And so we want to position our church to be able to do that. Um, and again, dad has a lot of ministry left. So passing, passing the baton now 
where we where we can lead as a church, but he can also because he's not going anywhere. He's still gonna preach at Faith Problems, still gonna mentor me, mentor the churches, mentor our staff. And so, but that that's why we're doing that's one of the reasons why we're doing it now. And you and I actually talked about this uh just recently about how, you know, most of our staff, uh, the majority of our staff are uh, like older millennials, Zs, like some of that. And again, that's the future. That's to be the future of our workforce and things like that. And not just our our paid staff, but our winning team members too. And so there's something to connecting with them. There's something to discipling them, moving them, giving them what they need. And so again, there, there's there's probably a bunch of reasons, but that's the main reason why uh, we're doing it now. And so, but yeah, that that's that's what I would say on that. Uh, but then I think that this it's very timely because when we did the 25th anniversary celebration at Faith Promise, God really put a, a dream and a vision on Dad's heart that we would reach 1% of the state of Tennessee, which is sick today, like right now, 66,000 people. And and so as as we started processing that that call of God, as we started processing, you know, the future of Faith Promise and all these things. You know, it it made sense for like the vision of how we accomplished that to not be him, but to be whoever was next. And God just led it to be us, to mm-hmm. you know, for it to be me in that in that role. And so, you know, and again, I think it's a great transition to you know processing us leading this church. You know, that vision, and we've talked about it. We exist to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win their world, starting with one percent of the state of Tennessee. And we could talk about that for hours because we love it so much. But I think that something, and I, I'd love for you to add to this because I'm the one that always says it, but I know you feel just as strongly about it as I do. Dad has been so passionate about lost people meeting Jesus. And we should have him on here to you know tell his story. Not everybody knows it. But Dad's always been so focused on loss, he would say, He'd rather bring uh, a million baby Christians to heaven than 10 big fat Christians. And when he says big fat Christians, he means people who know the word, know what they're supposed to do, like to have all the bread of life in them, but they don't do anything with it. So they're just fat, useless Christians. Um, again, he's very tactful. But either way, uh, that's, you know, that, that, there's some of the things he'll say. But I think as we've been discipled by him and at the church, there's been an, another layer of drive for us and it's not we have the same passion that the lost would get saved Mm -hmm. but we have another passion that believers wouldn't show up in eternity empty-handed you know that they wouldn't show up uh, with nothing to show for the purpose they've been given you know and we've talked about if we did the same thing if our if the vision that god gave us it's not going to be the same as all the other people around us it's not gonna be the same as other successful churches there is some there's a special kingdom um, contribution that God has given us for such a time as this. And it really is to take a stand on top of um, Pastor Chris and Michelle's shoulders and to go and to say, hey, the faith promise is not changing. It It is what it's always been. Real people, real problems. The real love of God is the solution to that. Um, But we want to go beyond just being here and receiving the love of God. And we want to know God. We want to take it 
out into the world by equipping you to live in the purpose that God designed mm-hmm. for you to be in. So that you can win your world. That's right. So, you know, we there are uh, plenty of uh, lots of churches have um, a lot of different values and visions, but it's really special what God has given and really the vision that God gave you and the months and years of shaping and forming love God, love people, discover purpose, and not win your world peace is all together. It's just something so unique. Yeah. And um, really, we want to honor the Lord and honor the saints who've gone before us to not try and be somebody else and not be what we were. We're not looking for former glory days. We are looking ahead right. to the greatest days of the church because they have to be. That's right. They have to be ahead. Yeah. And, and in, uh, you, some people know the reference when I say it. I, it's in Second Chronicles. I'm going to say Second Chronicles 7, but that could be wrong. It's where um, it's where all these people are coming to help David. And there's one group of people that came to help David. They're, they're named the men of Ishakar. It says that the men of Ishakar who could discern the signs of the time and tell Israel what to do. So they, they just had this discernment. Mm-hmm. And so I think something else that Dad saw and something that we see is discerning the signs of the time you know, so, and the reason I bring that up is because for the last 50 or 60 or so years, uh, well, probably 50 years, uh, the church has been more what I, what we would call come and see. And so there's two pastors, uh, Bill Hybels and Rick Warren, who are uh, unbelievable. I, I'll be taking their trash out in heaven. They're saints, right? Um, and, but uh, they kind of, they pioneered a new way of doing church where they create this great, like super lively experience. And then you would invite your friends to it and then they would share the gospel. But now after doing that, that come and see for so long, it's really atrophied the muscles of believers because now they just count the church to win their friends. They count the church to disciple and, people. And the movement was incredible. It changed the way people it's thought amazing. about church. It created a space where people felt like they could come without judgment. We just began to depend on our pastor to share the gospel for us. And we laid down our own mantle of taking the kingdom of heaven right. to earth. And we're going to, as faith promised, we're going to continue to be very like seeker friendly, very attractional, to work, like all that kind of stuff. But that's addition. If people come and one of us gives the gospel and five, 10 people get saved every service, it's still addition. But like there were 7,000 people that worshiped with us this last weekend. If all if half of those seven thousand went out and shared their faith, right? Uh, so so you know now we're we're talking about thirty five hundred people who went out and shared their faith. If just half of them got saved, you mm-hmm. know, and so now we're getting to the end of my math, but with that seventeen hundred and fifty people, good job, right? So now we're going from fives and tens. We're going. We could go thousands if those people start coming and we started equipping them, and that that's just. Not, it's the most important thing to us. That's just evangelism. What about equipping people to raise their kids? If you were raised by people who don't know Jesus, and then we tell you to equip your kids, that's part of why we have like we have the values and we have the handles. So you can equip, you can equip yourself and the people you love to love God, love people, discover purpose, and win their world. Well, and our dream is that these values are not just the values of our church. Our hearts desires that they really are. They're the values of our home. Yes. That they would be the values of your home too. And really every believer, if we're talking about just living this out, if every single person chose to love God, love people, if they discovered their purpose and walked in it passionately, and then they they would 
by there is no other thing that could happen except that they would begin to win their world. And that cycle just continues over and over. We would really see revival. And that's honestly, at the end of the day, like we long to see revival, that people would be made alive, excited again, and on fire for what God has for the future. Yeah. And we referenced it last time The we live in a world that you get to value whatever you want and your feelings get to dictate like what truth is and all that kind of stuff. And we're seeing some crazy stuff, seeing crazy stuff uh, go on. And I, I think everybody has, where no matter where you fall politically or whatever, there's some concerns. You know, I think, I, I think most rational people, if a kid gets to go to school and identifies a dog, and and the, the teacher's not allowed to say, hey, we don't bark in the class. I mean, that that's starting to get a little a little wild, right? Um, and so, and the reason I bring that up is to say, like, we're going to get more and more post-Christian, you know. Uh, and as we get more and more post-Christian, people aren't just going to accept an invitation to church. I don't know what the study is now, but uh, years ago, uh, eight, like eighty-five percent of people would receive. They would they would go to church if invited that number is almost cut in half now mm -hmm. and so now it's going to be it's going to be less about how cool our church is and more about how equipped our people are mm -hmm. and so again that's one of the reasons that again we're we're succeeding mom and dad now and so again i we we just want to spend some time and talk about it you know and again yeah. we probably should spend some more podcasts talking about it but we just want to talk a little bit about our call to ministry the vision how how it came to be what it was and uh and especially this weekend as as we did that and uh and you're and, welcome to go back and watch that um you can find it at faithpromise.org yeah yeah and you know hey if there's questions uh, if you're if you're a, pro a faith promise person and you have questions about the the uh the 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 succession and all that kind of stuff put them in the comments put them in the comments i mean th those get read um and and we talk we, to your campus pastor yeah. they would love to help um, talk with you and and help walk you through this. Yeah. And if you could just pray for us, you know, Zach has specifically asked the Lord for an apostolic anointing, mm -hmm. and that, that he would. Con we believe. Or, I mean, I have watched God do some really amazing things, and um, so I believe that that's already happened. Um, we're asking. I mean, personally, I have a prophetic gifting. I'm asking the Lord to develop that in me and raise it up. And if you just pray for us as we carry that mantle, and for our children, that we would first and foremost honor the Lord but that our family would be protected in that transition and that we would honor those who follow us well. Yeah, and we love you and we're proud of you. And hey, we, and we are so desperate to help you discover your purpose so that you can win your world. So we love you, have a great week. We'll see you next week.